Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus Podcast, Riding the Rodeo of Religion and Life. This is Steve Poos Benson, the host of the podcast, and this is episode 43. Today I want to continue our conversation about the differences between evangelicals and progressive Christians. Today I want to talk about hell, heaven, and universal salvation. But before I go there, I want to say something to uh, progressive Christians who might be living in a fundamental or conservative family or extended family. I had an email from uh, from a listener this past week who said that it was so refreshing to hear a view like this because they consider themselves a progressive, but yet they live within a very conservative family, extended family, who put so much pressure on them because they're the lone liberal holdout. You know, and I wanted to, and I, I told the person, I want to tell you, if this is you in the situation, is hang in there. Uh, you have every right to your beliefs. Uh, what you believe is good and faithful. You are just as good a faithful Christian as they are. You're different, but you and you believe differently. I believe you believe right. I mean, I'm a progressive. I believe strongly in my progressive uh, uh, faith, and I want you to want you to also. Uh, it's okay to believe the way you do. It's faithful to believe the way you do. Hold your ground. You know, do things like listen to my podcast, read my blog, Cowboy Jesus, read some of the books I've written, uh, Sent to Soar, The Jesus Path. Read uh, blogs off the Pathios uh, website. It's a great website that has a progressive channel out of it. Um, there, but you need to find ways to uh, to build yourself up if you're living within oppression. All right, I had to say that. But let me get back to the topic I want to cover. Uh, a lot of ex-evangelicals, uh, since I've been doing these podcasts and TikToks and blog posts, have been asking me about hell and why would a good and loving God send people there. Um, it's a question that not just ex-evangelicals have, but I think anyone who is deconstructing their faith or who reflects upon their faith, who sometimes not quite sure what they believe, they might be a progressive, but they really don't know about heaven and hell, what to do with that. I think it's a good question, so I want to uh, to dive into it. You know, there's a marked difference between evangelicals and progressives when it comes to the notion of hell and who goes there. So last week I talked about a blog post I read by Joel Michael Herbert titled The Widening Gap Between Evangelical and Progressive Christians. Uh, it's a good blog post. I disagree kind of with what he says in the end. I might have to deal with that at some point, but I think... He kind of gets at the heart of it. Uh, Herbert describes that there are four main non-negotiables between evangelicals and progressives. I've covered two of them, the concept of Jesus dying for your sins, that's back in the archive. And then last week, episode 42, is uh, the whole notion of um, of inclusion as it relates to GLBTQI people. So the next non-negotiable sacred cow, as Herbert describes it, is hell. For evangelicals, they believe there is a physical, literal hell that God sends people to for conscious eternal punishment. Man, I just, a physical, literal hell that God sends people to for conscious eternal punishment. 
man, is a fundamental key to evangelical theology and belief. You know, I was introduced to hell and the evangelical belief uh, about God sending people there when I was a junior higher back in the 70s. I was, uh, we went to a fairly conservative Presbyterian church and there was a youth group that I was a part of. And one time they sent us junior hires and high schools, high schoolers up on a, a mountain retreat. They had a guest speaker who was there, and he came out in front of us kids and got us all excited by telling jokes and being funny. But then he got really serious, and he looked at us, and he pointed, and he asked the question, if you were to die tonight, do you know, do you know where you would be spending all of etern- eternity? <laughs> I remember thinking, what? What is he talking about? All of eternity, if I were going to die tonight, what, is there something wrong with this camp? You know, this just never occurred to me. You know, then the speakers went on to quote the Bible verses about hell and damnation and fire and punishment. And he said, the only way to avoid it it was to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And I got to tell you, I was frightened. I was terrified by what he was talking about. I wanted to avoid hell. And he said, all I needed to do was raise my hand, say this Jesus prayer, and I would not go to hell. Man, my hand was up. I repeated the Jesus prayer. I had literally no idea what the guy was talking about. But if it meant avoiding hell, I was all over it. Now, this just didn't happen once, but it happened repeatedly through junior high and senior high uh, youth vets. I'd go on. They kept on asking the question, If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Heaven or hell? I found it in young life. I found it in campus life. I found it in youth for Christ. It was the same message. You know, God is love. Love your neighbor. But if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. I mean, it just set up this contradiction in my my mind. God is love. Love your neighbor. But if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. How can a good and loving God send people to hell? Send especially kids, junior hires, and teenagers to hell. I just can't, couldn't get my arms around it. You know, I ran into in college. I went to a small conservative Christian college, Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington. Um, when I was there my freshman year, I had a really uh, stereotypical born-again experience where I accepted yet again Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but the difference was I felt I was loved into God's arms, but the people around me wanted me to frighten me into God's arms. They They said I should accept Jesus to avoid going to hell, and I said, no, I'm accepting Jesus because I believe in God's love and heaven. And, you know, it was a constant dialogue and frustration that I had with the evangelical community. They believed in frightening people. I believed in loving people. It was two completely different ways to view God, hell, and heaven. It's something that I still believe in. I don't believe in frightening people. I believe in loving people. Evangelicals believe in frightening people, frightening people into the faith, frightening people uh, into God's arms, because if you don't, embrace Jesus. If you don't embrace God, you're going to hell where you're going to be consciously tormented for all of eternity. Man, you know, when I was in college, eventually I became so turned off 
from their purpose for evangelism. I mean, it's like they were trying to save people. That was their purpose. And I get it. I mean, if it, if, if it meant they were saving people to keep them from this eternal torment, I guess I understood why it was so important to them to evangelize people. But I was so turned off, I stopped. I stopped attending their activities and worship services. I stopped going to the churches that other people were going to. I just didn't want anything to do with it. You know, if you've listened to any of the popular evangelists, they'll tell you the reason for your relationship with God, among other things, is to avoid going to hell. You know, where does this come from? Hell, hell, hell. You know, evangelicals point to the Bible. And yes, there are many passages that refer to hell. Uh, let me read a few, all right? Uh, Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but, not, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Mark 9, 43. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. Romans 2, 6-8 He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Luke 16, 19-31, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus by his side. So there's that gulf between a hell, a Hades, and a heaven where the rich that where Lazarus was. All right, Matthew 5:22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool. Fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Hell, hell, hell. It's right there. I mean, these are pretty compelling passages. If you take the Bible at face value, literally, then the evangelists, evangelists the evangelicals are right. You better accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because there is a hell, and the only way to avoid it is by accepting Jesus. But... Let's push deeper. I have two questions when I look at these passages. As a student of the Bible, as an academic and a theologian, I always have two questions. Or actually, I have a ton of questions. But right now, I have two questions. What did Jesus really believe about hell? And what was going on in the culture at the time? Two things. What did Jesus really believe about hell? Well, Jesus used the term, when he talked about hell, he used the Greek term Gehenna. Uh, Gehenna was the garbage dump outside the city walls of Jerusalem. When I was in Jerusalem, I asked the guy to see the back walls of Jerusalem. He was a bit confused why I'd want to see the old garbage dump, but he showed me. And uh, it's not much to look at, just a hillside on the back walls of Jerusalem. But back in Jesus' time, it was something else. 
There was a smoldering fire that burned all the time and people dumped their garbage into it. Guyana, the hell that people were going to be tossed into that Jesus talked about was a real physical place. The implications are that people live their life as if they're in a real garbage dump. They don't need to die to go to Guyana. Some people are already living there. Now, I find this notion compelling because, you know, I believe it's true. I find some people create a hell right now in the midst of their life where they are suffering and the people around them are suffering. They cause suffering. Oftentimes they do evil things and perpetuate evil. They're living in a hell right now and sometimes they seek other people. They suck other people living into hell right now. They're living in a garbage dump. They're living in Guyana. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about casting somebody into hell, casting something into Guyana. They didn't need to die to go into Guyana. They were already living there. That's what Jesus believed when he talked about hell. Okay, now what's going on in the culture? When these gospel, the gospel writers that quote Jesus, all right, these gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were writing in the last quarter of the first century. This is at the height of the Roman persecution. Uh, I don't want to bore you with the historical details, but uh, Rome, uh, the Roman Empire got sick and tired of these little upstart people in Israel and decided to just destroy uh, Palestine. And so they did. They took their armies, they went from north to south, and they burned and destroyed everything in its midst. And so it was in the midst of the persecution that a style of writing developed called Jewish apocalypticism. Apocalypticism is a style of writing that is anywhere there's a great deal of oppression going on. Even today in our current society, apocalyptic literature emerges. In this genre of writing, uh, there are graphic images for the Jewish apocalypticism. There are images of heaven and hell, a beast, a Satan, demons. You know, much of what we see going on in Revelations is written exactly from a Jewish apocalypticism. People read about the mark of the beast in 666 and they think that that's Satan. No, it's Emperor Nero. You have to interpret the passages. You have to interpret it according to the images of Jewish apocalypticism. So given Jewish apocalypticism and the Roman persecution, scholars believe one of two things. Either Jesus was an apocalyptic preacher and preached about heaven and hell, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, writing 40 and 50 years after Jesus' death, were apocalyptic writers and wrote these images into the mouth of Jesus. Did you catch that? Uh, this is something that uh, evangelicals will really throw their arms up and disagree with this, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were not taking dictation from Jesus, but they had their own acts to grind, and at times... They wrote their views into the mouth of Jesus. These were not literal words from the mouth of Jesus. They were words from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John themselves. Okay, that's going to be another topic for another podcast because it's another huge place where evangelicals and progressives differ. All right, the implications are huge. I believe that the writers were apocalyptics and wrote these things into the mouth of Jesus. For me... 
This frees us to think differently about hell, Jesus, and the Bible. Maybe we can look at the Bible from a different angle. Instead of it being about heaven and hell and apocalypticism, maybe we can see it from a completely different angle. Given Jesus' concept of Guyana and give us Jewish apocalypticism, I can now look at other passages of the Bible to present a whole new view of what is going on in the life of Jesus. Let me read a few other passages. Now pay attention to these passages when we ferret out Jewish apocalypticism, Jesus' version of Guyana, and what I call universal salvation, that God has saved all people. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 4.10 for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people. All people. Romans 11.32 For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. John 12.47 If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. 1 Corinthians 5.22 for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. John three sixteen through 17 For God so loved the world that God sent the only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world will be saved through him. The world will be saved through him. All, all, all the world, all the world. What I hear in these passages is all, 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 all the world. Through Jesus, all the world is saved. There are no exceptions, no, no ifs, no buts, but all the world. You know, I say I take the Bible seriously and not literally, but I think, you know, these passages speak a great truth. God sent Jesus to save the all the world, the whole world, not just those who believe in him. There's something greater going on in the life of Jesus than just saving some people and sending the rest of people to hell. No, Jesus has a universal impact, larger and greater than anything we can understand. I believe we now we need to allow God and Christ to be as big and as vast as God desires. This is why out of the vastness of God, I believe the whole world is saved. You know, I don't believe in hell because I understand Jewish apocalypticism. I understand the historical context that these gospel writers were writing. They were borrowing from Jewish apocalypticism. They were writing these images into the mouth of Jesus. I don't take the Bible literally. I take it seriously. This gives me the permission to set those passages aside and say something else is going on. I believe that something else that is going on is that God saves all the world. You know, the other thing is that um, hell, our notion of hell, comes straight out of 
uh, Dante's Inferno. Do you know that the vast majority of our understanding of hell comes from uh, Dante's work in 1472? If you've never read Dante, it's filled with graphic images of hell and its many torments. Uh, when was it written? Under a time of great uh, oppression during the Black Plague. Uh, I'll never forget being in Florence, Italy in the Duomo, this huge cathedral. The ceiling was painted with uh, horrific images of hell and the devil, devil and demons torturing people and throwing them to hell. At the center was a picture of Jesus and angels bringing people into heaven. It was for the illiterate peasants who couldn't read the Bible. They came to the cathedral out of great fear of the plague. They wanted assurance that if they died or if their family died, they would go to heaven. All they had to do was to look up and see what would happen to them if they didn't believe. Satan would put his hooks into them and send you, send them straight to hell. Accept Jesus and you'd go to heaven. You know, if you were a literate peasant, it made a whole lot of sense. And what were you going to do? You were going to accept Jesus. You're going to pay your indulgence. That's another thing that the Catholic Church had going on at the time. Holy cow. Accept Jesus, pay your indulgence, you go to heaven. But I'm not going to get into indulgences. All right. Illiterate peasants. The, the insight is we're not illiterate peasants. We're thinking people. We're contemporary people with brains. We interpret we used advanced skills, advanced academics to look at certain pa passages, to accept their context, and we can agree or disagree with them. You know, there's so much that I disagree with. My evangelical friends tell me I'm picking and choosing which scripture passage, passages to believe in and which not to believe in. <laughs> I always say, yeah, I, I am, and they do the same. I interpret passages. I just don't pick up the Bible and say the whole thing is true. You know, I really need to do a podcast on the Bible. That's another sacred cow that divides the evangelicals and progressives. I might do that either in the next podcast or the next couple one to come. Um, but again, I take the Bible. I don't accept everything. I accept the things that feel to me to be true. I read those passages where... God saves the whole world, and Jesus came to save the whole world. I read those passages, and I say, yes, that's what's going on in the life of Jesus. All right, a few more thoughts about heaven and hell. God says, you know, that the Bible says that God is love. That's from John's, the letter of 1 John. God is love. Jesus says there are two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul, quoting Leviticus and Galatians, says that loving our neighbor as ourselves fulfills the entire law. Uh, love, love, love. It's all about love. And given all this, how can a good and loving God and a Christ who teaches about love suddenly reverse these things and after death judge people and send some people to hell? I just, it doesn't work for me. I disagree. God loves and saves all people. For me, as a progressive, I just embrace this with my whole life. Uh, God saves all people. You know, people then always ask me a few questions. What about 
all the people who have done great evil in their life, the Hitlers of the world, would God forgive even these people and allow them to heaven? You know, did God save even them? Uh, personally, I believe God did save them. I don't think God is finished with them. I don't think God is finished with the Hitler and the Stalins or Pol Pot or any of the other people who perpetuate so much evil. I believe that there is judgment. I believe that they have a great deal of lessons that they need to learn. But yes, I believe if God can say God can and will save me, then God can and will did save them. Other people have said, well, if that's the case, then I don't want anything to do with heaven. And I always say, well, yeah, you don't have a whole lot of choice in it. If you believe in God, if you believe in eternal life, if you believe in an afterlife, then I believe you have one option, heaven. And guess what? Everybody gets to go there. Uh, you know, it's what's really funny is if you believe that you're the righteous person, that only the righteous people go to hell, or go to heaven, rather. Oh, you got to remember what Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, you know, you don't, just because you say, Lord, Lord, and cast out demons in my name and do and perform miracles in my name, doesn't mean that you got that all so, sewn up. You know, it's a great surprise. You know, doing these good and righteous things, being a righteous person, doesn't mean you're going to go, that that's the reason why you're going to go to heaven. It's not. It's about God doing a greater thing in Jesus than just trying to be good, which is the next thing that people ask me. People ask me, well, if everyone goes to heaven, then why should I be good? You know, <laughs> I smack my forehead on this one. If the only reason why you're leading a good and ethical life is to avoid going to hell, then you're missing the point of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We don't lead faithful lives to avoid hell. We lead faithful lives to be ambassadors of Christ. We don't lead ethical lives to go just to heaven either. We believe when we believe God saves everyone, it frees us from any doctrine or dogma that we have or other people have that they want to lay on us. No, we are faithful people because it frees us to live in love, in the name of God, working justice for all of God's children. You know, it's interesting. Uh, universal salvation does not sit well with the evangelical community. It really gets at the um, at the heart of of a lot of what's going on for them. And it is a sacred cow. Uh, I'll never forget, um, I wish I could remember his name, uh, a great evangelical uh, black preacher. He was preaching in the uh, 80s and 90s, and he was such a successful evangelical preacher. He was dynamic. He was a great teacher. Why can't I remember his name? Either Anyway, um, he had a megachurch. Thousands of people flocked to flocked to listen to him preach. But one day he said he was sitting in uh, at home with his young daughter on his lap watching TV, and they were showing, it was a commercial about Africa and starving children in Africa. And he sat there and he started thinking, you know, why should I say that these children, just because they're not Christians, would they go to hell? And it began working on him. He began to... Change his mind and he began to think that no, that God would save all people. And he started uh, all of a sudden seeing these scripture passages, like the ones that I quoted, where he started seeing all, 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 God saves all people. 
why can't I remember his name? Uh, anyways, uh, and so he started preaching this in his congregation. People left his church in droves. They thought that he had lost his mind. They thought that he was indeed a heretic, that he was participating in heresy. This megachurch that he had fell apart. His staff left him. The congregants left him. Suddenly, this megachurch was facing bankruptcy. He lost his job. They lost the church. It all went down in, in flames just because he believed in universal salvation. Really? Is that the price of what it, that you pay to believe that everybody is saved? That everybody is going to reject you? I guess that's why one of the Beatitudes is, uh, Blessed are you when people revile you and reject you, because they did it to the prophets who were before you. Heaven or hell? Now, I'm not going to scare you into the arms of God. I'm going to love you. I believe God wants you to be loved. I want to love you into the arms of God. All right. That's the Cowboy Jesus podcast. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other things I'm doing that I've got going on. Please read my blog, Cowboy Jesus. You can find it at stevescowboyjesus.blogspot.com. I post it about once a week. I post it on my Facebook page. So you can lock, like my Facebook page, Dr. Steve Poos Benson. I also post it on Colin by the United Church's Facebook page. You can find me on Twitter, at Steve Poos Benson. I have a web page, www.stephenpoosbenson.com. And get this, I'm even on TikTok. How about that? TikTok. I love it. All right. Take care. We'll see you.